Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah? Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. We finally had a uh, a warm day. It was like almost 80 degrees yesterday. Yeah, it was nice. And then today it was like a high of 55. So it's like this bipolar weather that we're getting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> bipolar, get it? Polar streams. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a bad dad joke right there. Sorry. Anyways. You can't help it. You're I, dad. I can't help it. I'm a dad. It's so ridiculous. So anyways, so what do you know, man? Oh, hey, did you know that uh, one of the Russian czars, uh, Peter III, uh, court-martialed and executed a rat? <laughs> A rat? Wait, yeah. what? Uh, I need to hear the story. Uh, okay, so from this article, <laughs> Peter had an obsession with, with playing with toys, usually of the military variety. He kept a large box of them under his bed so that he would, that he would bust out when Catherine would leave for a while or after she had gone to sleep. He'd set up elaborate military formations and battle scenes, playing soldier the best way he knew how, but not actually being a soldier. Oh, that's funny. Oh. One night, Catherine entered Peter's room and noticed a large rat nailed to the wall. <laughs> Naturally, she had questions. Peter informed her that the rat had committed a great crime, which according to the laws of war deserved capital punishment. By committed a great crime, Peter meant that the rat had climbed the walls of the fortress he had built out of cardboard and ate two of his toy soldiers. <laughs> Uh, according to Catherine, he described the gruesome seed as if he had lost loved ones. Of course, this rat had to be punished for his murderous rampage. So, upon how, how old is this guy? The Russian, I don't know, like twenty. He's like uh, the czar of Russia. Okay, like <laughs> he's a king. So strange. Yeah. Upon his capture, Peter had the rat tried by martial law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good to be czar. Yeah, <laughs> you can be bizarre. Isn't that awesome? That is so funny, dude. Court <laughs> court martialed a rat. Oh. oh my gosh, man, that's so funny, dude. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I don't know where you get this stuff, but I love it, man. You got a weird. Uh, actually, someone had asked me one time. They're like, "Where do you find this stuff?" And the easiest answer I said is, "If you want to find weird stuff, you got to read weird stuff." Yeah, <laughs> you just got to go. I, most of the, so here's a. I'll give this little thing away for free. Um, a lot of them I just come across, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know that." And then nobody. I figure if I don't know about it, yeah, most people haven't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just come across something. I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." That's or awesome. I'll dig into, I'll, I'll read something. I'm like, oh, I need that. And then I'll start reading. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So. Well, I'm thankful for the Did You Knows. It's a highlight of my week, man. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Uh, hey, uh, do you want to talk about the Discord thing? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we uh, set up a Discord channel to chat. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, we it, trying to build community, I guess. Yeah, and it it also kind of was born out of I had we did an episode on heresies, mm -hmm. and I had a friend of mine from out of state contact me through Instagram, and he was like, "Hey, do you guys have like a forum somewhere where I can talk yeah. more about this?" He wanted to he wanted to like get in, engaged in the in a conversation about that episode, and you and I, you and I started talking about it, and then you you came up with this idea for Discord, which is brilliant I, I didn't even know what discord was to be honest with you until you yeah. told me about it so how does somebody get connected on discord with all out war podcast oh they should just reach out to you on social media and then can they just download them. the app and then yeah yeah it's like a it's an app discord's basically like a chat room that we can set up 
uh, personally. So it's just like a yeah, just like forum. An, an app. It was not yeah. like a forum. It's like a a chat room. Okay, but we can set up and you can set up like multiple rooms, so to speak. So if we want to talk about some, we could Specific have like a episode. did you know forum? There or, you go. You know, some, you know, like a room that people could post weird stuff that they find or talk about theology or politics yeah we could have like sub things okay i'm saying this as i'm like oh we should probably set those up yeah (laughs) so it's a work in progress but we do have we do have a channel yeah for all out war yeah on discord so they can search it on download the app maybe and okay they should reach out to us reach out to reach out to because i don't know what the url is right Okay, so, well, well, we'll figure that out. and Yeah, maybe, but reach out to us and we can send you the link. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Perfect. Reach out to us and maybe I'll post it on Instagram or yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. You should do that. So, yeah, but uh, anyways, so... Um, you hear that? I hear that. You know what that is? No. <laughs> Somebody's calling, brother. Okay. I like this. I wonder what that means. This is something new. Okay. Oh, I just want to say, <laughs> even though this is an Apple... Uh, ringtone. I'm not an Apple fanboy. Oh, uh, he's not. I, he's... I just had to say that. And you're trying to talk me into I'm not getting. A, a... I'm not in the cold of Apple, but no. You should play it because this is really cool. Yeah. It's tight. Oh yeah. <laughs> that sign, that song, that's that's that soundbite is. It means only one thing, and it means that we have a guest on the podcast today who's phoning in, which uh, I just love that we can do this now uh, so easily. And uh, we have a guest on the podcast today. His name is Rob Kowalski, and he has written a book called Why Waiting Works, and I'm going to get into that in the podcast. But uh, if you know somebody that's single, who's been married and now divorced and waiting to be married again, or... uh, in that in that realm of waiting to be married, this is a good podcast for them to listen to because he's he's written a book about waiting for marriage. It's not your traditional Christian lingo and talk. <laughs> I just let the cat out of the bag right now. We have an explicit rating on this podcast, and it's not because of the content today. Uh, we are talking about sex, but not in explicit ways in that way. Uh, it's he he's a raw person, but I love this guy. He speaks raw. His background is testified for it. The guy used to be a male stripper. So that tells you where he's coming from. So I just wanted to give everyone a preface and a warning. If you have tender ears, just, just turn it off now or grow thick skin. Put <laughs> yeah. your earmuffs on, whatever it's going to take. Anyways, or if you listen around children, you know you might want to listen with your, your earbuds in or something like that Yeah. at the gym or in your car in traffic. Anyways, we love Rob. I'm so glad that we got to do this podcast with him. And uh, so let's... Uh, not keep anyone waiting any longer. What do you think? Yeah. All right. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of All Out War. We have an awesome guest on the phone. I've been working to to get this guy on for a while. We've been going back and forth. He's extremely busy, but I am so excited about this one. We have Rob Kowalski. He has written a book called Why Waiting Works, How Fast Sex Prevents Us from Finding True Love and Long-Term Happiness. 
Uh, he is. Uh, he also has a companion website called Why Waiting Works. Uh, you can find resources on there. There's a study guide and there's even small group um, ideas to help out uh, for support within this whole idea of Why Waiting Works. Rob, welcome to the podcast, man. Man, it's great to be on. Sorry it took so long to be here with you, but I'm, I'm happy we're doing it now. Oh man, it's awesome. We're so glad you're, you're uh, able to meet with us and, and be on the show. Um, so I, I want you to start off, man, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to the place to write this book and, um, sure. and just your background. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I was, uh, my mom got pregnant with me at 14 years old. I, my dad was never really in the picture. Um, him and my mom actually did get married. For a, and they that lasted about 10 months and then he was always in another state but she she pretty much raised me without uh you know any child support or any help from him and and uh you know growing up with a young mom and, and no dad in the picture i just kind of taught myself how to be a man and uh, you know learn from television and movies i like to say i just ran the streets a lot and learned you know raised myself and uh from a very young age i um my aspiration at, from about 14 years old was to be a male stripper. Like <laughs> well, other kids wanted to be cops and, you know, whatever else. And I wanted to be a stripper. I remember <laughs> that's like my friends would actually laugh at me when I would say it. And um, so when I was 19 years old, I, my, my dream came true and I, I ended up becoming a stripper and I started working for all the agencies in Baltimore. Um, and, uh, you know, really just was, I, I went from being kind of kind of a bad kid, you know, like I got expelled from a bunch of different schools, high schools I went to, to being a bad adult, you know, and, and just, you know, it was like I said, was a stripper and I, I got arrested several times. Nothing really serious, mostly just fighting and just, you know, stupid things like that. But um, I when I was about 25 years old, I, at that point, I was pretty much at the pinnacle of my career. I was you know, working for every agency in the phone book. Uh, I was uh, dancing for a, a review groups that traveled around kind of like a, you know, a Chippendales type of group. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, we used to go to the nightclubs all the time after we would work and meet up with the girls that stripped as well. And, and, you know, um, a club owner approached me, a nightclub owner approached me one day and was like, Hey, I'd like you to promote my club. And I, I didn't really know exactly what it meant, but he explained it. And, you know, we would just kind of take a night that they were slow or closed and we would, you know, do something and attract, try to attract people to come. And I thought, well, this is, you know, this is going to help me get more women. Um, so, <laughs> and which honestly was what my life was all about, you know, up until this point, it was pretty much every decision I made was what will help me or hurt me with getting girls. So, um, I, I said yes, and I started promoting uh, promoting parties in Baltimore, and it was, turned out I was really good at it, and eventually kind of took over the nightlife scene in Baltimore over, over the next year, and then started doing parties in D.C., and, you know, it became very popular, and it just it really increased the, the debauchery, um, pretty much, which my life had just turned into a big party, and I was making a lot of money, and really liked being me um, at the time, to be honest, and uh, when I was 27 years old, I, I, uh, flew down to Cancun, Mexico with a group of friends for spring break. And, um, you know, I really never, I didn't think about God, um, very often, you know, if he would cross my mind at all, I, maybe I would see somebody praying or, and I would wonder if anybody was listening, but that was pretty much the extent that I thought about God. 
I didn't know that he was real, never felt his presence or never heard his voice. Um, and my God was pleasure, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, and I liked it and I was doing well at it, you know, and I flew to Mexico. Uh, I was down there the first night, you know, we went out to a club called daddy O's and we were partying like rock stars. We had girls, you know, getting wild and, and, uh, <laughs> I write about it in the book, like, you know, just crazy, you know, crazy party back in my hotel room after. And, and I went to bed that night. I actually, I went down to the pool when I went to bed because there was so many people in our room. I went down to the pool and I, I slept. And I, when I woke up the next day, I got called by God. I don't know. I just, the only way I can describe it. I got baptized. I actually got baptized in the Holy spirit. Um, <laughs> like and no, no, nobody touched me. No one, talk to me about God. I didn't go to church. It was, you know, like when I tell people, even Christians are like, wow, that's not normal. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I was, I was freaked out. Um, all I know is that God was calling me and he was like, trust me, follow me. I have a plan for you. And, and I, so I did the most radical 180 a person could do. It was yeah. like, you know, I, I tell people it was like, you know, taking the red pill in the matrix. Cause I was like, <laughs> Oh snap. Like I, all of a sudden I was aware of the truth. <laughs> so I had to make some re- really hard decisions after that. You know, because I was like, I realized all these things that I had been doing were, you know, in light of, in light of knowing that God is real, um, I'm like, I got to make some changes. So I quit stripping. I quit promoting. Um, I broke up with my girlfriend that I was dating at the time and, and was actually abstinent for the next six years. Yeah, I include that. I was trying to help people understand, like I went from being the most promiscuous guy I knew to be an abstinent for the next six years. So I was very, very determined to change. And um, really, I mean, so what makes my story, I think, very unique is when I got, when I had this moment with God, one of the things that he told me is like, look, you know, he told me that I had this soulmate, told me who she was. It was a girl I knew that lived in California at the time. (laughs) And he's like, this is your soulmate. Now I had never been in love up until this point. So for me, when I heard that, I believed God. And I was like, okay, basically knowing that if I'm going to pursue this lifestyle, I'm committing to having sex with one woman for the rest of my life, right? Because I'm a fundamentalist. So I'm like, okay, if this is, if this is you know, true, then this is what I'm signing up for. So <laughs> I, I, I believe God. And I was like, okay, I, I'll wait for this girl. Actually, I tried to call her. I tried to call her in California. She didn't return my call. So I was like, okay, if this is God, he'll make it happen. All I got to do is wait. So I had a conversation with God and I said, all right. I believe you. I'll wait. I said, but you better hurry. Cause you know, I can't wait long, especially when it comes to women. So I, I thought it was going to be like two weeks, maybe a month. And then she was going to move back or whatever. And it turned into six years. So, all right. Hold, so, me, can I pause you there for sure. a second? So Absolutely, yeah. how, how quick, how soon was this app? Cause you said you had six years of abstinence. Yeah. Um, how, how was it? Was this after the six years or was this during that time period? This was really like right within, right within a week's time of the time. So actually the very first moment that I heard God's voice was in Cancun and he told me about this girl. Okay. I didn't, I, I, yeah. That was the very first thing that he told me before he told me anything this before, before like I really even realized that he was kind of telling me to follow him. He revealed something to me about this girl. And I was like, first I thought it was just some weird epiphany that I had. And then I realized it was God that was communicating with me. I know it sounds a little crazy, but that's how it started. So um, so yeah, the six, what really the, what led to me being absent for six years was me think it started out by me thinking, okay, God's going to bring this girl to me in the next two weeks or a month. Hmm. And then 
over time, it, you know, I, I continued to wait and believe him and it turned into six years. And, um, you know, I often say that if it wasn't for me hearing that from him, I would have done what most Christians do, which is w- w- when they got to the point that I did, which is I got super lonely because I had to cut off all my friends when I when I became a Christian. And I which means I lost all my uh, I lost my all my social life and you know, I had a very active social life. So I got very bored and I got very lonely. And then I would have what I would have done is I would have done what most Christians did. And I would have dated out of loneliness and then I would have been having sex because I was too weak to resist. Mm. But because because I was waiting for this specific girl, that wasn't an option for me. So then I started – that's when I really started to realize that the path, uh, this narrow path and how lonely um, it can be without community. Because – so now here I am waiting for this girl. I'm going to tr- – I started going to a local church on Sunday that was a great church. I loved it. But outside of Sundays – I didn't know what to do with myself or who to do it with. And like, I, I was like, okay, where are the cool Christians? That's, that's like what I was asking myself. Like, Cause I gotta, I gotta find, I gotta find them because I'm dying. And so I, I started going to Christian coffee houses or just looking anywhere I could think to find them. And there was just nothing out there. I didn't really relate to church people. I, I was, you know, here I was this party boy and I, you know, they were nice, but outside of Sundays, they really weren't doing anything much of anything fun. So I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting at home every weekend by myself, you know, going to movies thinking, okay, if I avoid sin long enough, if I just stay out of trouble, eventually God's going to bring me this girl and this problem of this feeling of loneliness that I have will go away. And after six years, it didn't happen. So what, what I did is I just, I got burnt out and I really just was like, okay, I'm going to give myself some freedom. I started going back to the bars because that was really the only place I knew that I could go and have some fun and be around some people that I could relate to. Mm. And, um, I ended up backsliding really hard over. So this is started in 2000. So I got saved in 2000, really started going, you know, giving myself some freedom in like 2006 after living a super sheltered life and then started picking up my habits. And from 2006 to 2011, I, I just spiraled down slowly to the point where, I became pretty much the person I had been before ever becoming a Christian, except it was way worse because I was super guilty because I was, I was, I knew I was wrong. You know, I knew I was, I I was guilty. So in 2011, I rededicated um, my life to God. It was actually through a series of events. My dad got stage four cancer who had always lived in another state, but you know, still uh, I loved him. Um, And he got stage four cancer and through a series of events, Related to that, God kind of brought me to my knees and I rededicated. And when, when I did, um, I, I went through the exact same period after that for the next year where I, you know, I got super involved at a church, a great church I go to now called Epic in Baltimore. But every weekend, really not even just the weekends, pretty much every night I was staying and I would watch Redbox movies by myself because I was like, I, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I just knew I couldn't, I couldn't go to the bar. And I knew I can't, I can't hang out with a girl alone, you know, so because that's going to lead to sex. And I didn't want that to take me back to that place that I'd gone, you know, when I backslid. So I ran at Redbox for about a year straight. And I always tell the story that it was like a Saturday night and I rented Dolphin Tale because it was the only <laughs> movie. It was the only movie I hadn't seen in Redbox. And I was so mad. And I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, this is if this is what people have to go through. If they're trying to change their life or 
you know, come to God, like no one will do it. It's just too hard. I'm like, I said, I don't. And so I was talking to a friend and I was like, I don't know about this abundant life shit that Jesus promises, but my life is not abundant. My life sucks. And they were like, <laughs> well, you, you were a promoter. So why, you know what they said, something like, why don't you start putting together social events that give you, you know, give you something to do, something to look forward to, get you out of the house, but don't cause you to make mistakes. So it was like a light bulb went off. And that's exactly what I started doing. I started organizing uh, social events that, that, that we call. So I say we. I started in the nonprofit uh, not long after this. Um, but it, what led me to do that was organizing these social events that we call Fun Without Regrets. <laughs> I was volunteering through, through my church at the time a lot. And I was really liking myself again. Like, like in the way it made me feel, it was healing me. Hmm. And I thought, man, I, I got friends that need this, but they're not going to come to the church-sponsored co-drive, right? Because they're not members of the church. So I started organizing service events that weren't faith-based. And what I saw was, you know, people's lives start to change. When you give people options to do things that are fun, that aren't the wrong things, because they will do the wrong thing if you don't give them the right thing to do eventually, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they're they going to want to be around people. That's why the bars are so crowded. Um, and then if you give them options to give back of themselves, which they're not getting if they're not part of a church, more than likely, because who was organizing service events for the, the masses, then they'll become a better version of themselves. And that's exactly what I saw. I saw a lot of my friends, you know, get off of drugs or quit mm -hmm. drinking or meet the Lord, all in, all because I invited them to a social event. And, you know, the, the, the cool thing about it is is you can get the people, you know, like the, the people in church – that I was, that I became friends with, like, I'd like to say people that love Jesus that are still normal. Cause there are, there are a few of them out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, a lot of times they're sitting around bored watching dolphin tail too, because right. everybody's organizing. So if you put something fun together and they come to it and then you get your friends maybe, or, you know, that don't, that aren't maybe doing so good to come, man, when the two of those meet, that's the magic. It's all through relationship. And it was really through this path that I started to see, you know, people's lives changed and it was like scratching it in it's for me because it gave me a social life, but it also gave me a way to help people. Hmm. So it was kind of like, it was kind of like twofold and, and we called it city fam and that's the name of the, uh, the nonprofit. So I guess I say all that to say, um, through living at those extremes, you know, being very promiscuous, then being abstinent and then backsliding and being promiscuous again, and then rededicating. And now I've, I've, for the most part, I've been abstinent for the last six years and nine months outside of, I did make a mistake about four years ago, um, with a girlfriend. I always have to mention that so nobody can think I'm lying, but, um, <laughs> but, but for, for, for the most part, I've been abstinent again for almost seven years and from living at the extreme somewhere along the line, I just really, God just gave me some, you know, some wisdom and I can explain practically, you know, why it makes sense to wait to the point where it's like, people don't even argue with me anymore. I have, I have the number one video on YouTube right now. Um, if you were to go and, you know, search no sex before marriage or waiting to have sex, it's the number one that pops up with like 1.2 million views. And I can just break it down. Like, does, you know, doesn't mean you're going to do it, but I can explain to you, this is, if you do do it, this is what will happen. This is, you know, but if you don't, this is the way it plays out for real. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, people that, aren't waiting, um, will be able to recognize everything that I'm saying because it, it's not working in their life. You know, there's a reason that the marriage or the divorce rate in the United States is 50%. And, you know, everybody says the sex stops after you get married and all this other stuff that they, you hear, it's like, well, there's a reason for that. And I'm going to tell you why it happens. So, I mean, let me pause on your story. Cause that's a lot. You just said, I loved it. First of all, sure. It reminded me so much of how, when 
I mean, everything Jesus did was relational, right? So he was Absolutely. known, he got known as being a drunkard uh, and, you know, a friend of sinners and all these other things. Tax collectors, right? absolutely. Because he hung out where people were uh, and he pulled them into something that they were lacking. And yes. it sounds like you're, what you did is you just created community. You created a place. 100%. And I love that because so many people think that the answer is inside, you know, we got to get through the doors of the church and then we'll be yes. fixed. And it just doesn't yes. do it. It's not enough. Uh, that should yeah. maybe be a, a launching pad into finding some some community. And, yes. uh, and also, too, I think, man, just the – I don't want to come down on the church because I love the church and I serve the church and I am part of it, you know. <laughs> sure. But uh, at the same time, I think that we've done a disservice by not allowing uh, – just real like we, we've created this religious thing. You know, yes, and people yep. have to be a certain way to be accepted, and you have to vote the same way, and you have to talk the same way, and and I just don't know if that really was what Jesus was all about, you know. And, no, and what no, he, was... he said he's he said go, right? You know, we say we say come, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, is that that's exactly our ladder. So our ladder is fulfillment. Is like if you picture fulfillment at the at the fourth rung of a ladder, that's fulfillment. That's you becoming the best version of yourself, living in your your purpose. The third rung of the ladder is community. You have to have a group of people around you to inspire you, encourage you, and support you as you start making all these right decisions because they're hard. And if you don't have community, you will go back to, you'll eventually get bored and you'll return to your bad behavior, something. You'll either go to the bar, you'll get on Tinder, you'll do something. That, that will derail you. But if you have community, people to let down someone to come alongside you and say, come on, man, you got it. Like then you have a chance, not even say it's guaranteed, but much better chance of making it. But the thing is, is if, if community is on the third rung and, and let's say, you know, healthy community has to be healthy. Um, and like the church to me is, is healthy community, but we're asking people to go from the bottom of the ladder to the third rung. And it's too big of a step Yeah, that people think God hates me because of what I did. They, they have all kinds of preconceived notions about religion. They don't know the words to the songs. They're not sure how to drive. They have all right. these reasons why they, why they won't come. And yet, of course, we're still trying to ask them to come. But 82% is the stat that I read uh, recently of the United States does not go to church regularly. So that means four out of five aren't coming. Yeah. So that now we have to do, it's not a matter of making the churches better. It's a matter of revamping the whole system, you know, of how we go about this. In order, and it's not just you know. I say it's not about religion or Bible thumping. People need healthy community. Period. You, you're, we're not meant to do life alone. You know, it's just we're not. So we have to even like a twelve step program to me. That's a healthy community, but they do the exact same thing. Nobody goes to NA or AA until the wheels fall off the wagon. You know what I mean? That's right. It's only only when someone hits rock bottom will they go to those places. So what City Fam does is like, let's not wait for them to hit rock bottom because they're probably not going to come to church until they get into a crisis mode anyway, if they even do come. Yeah. So let's let's find them before that because they may never hit bottom. They they just might skim the bottom for a while, and let's find them and help them build healthy relationships so that they can reach the top. You know. So and to me, it's like it's not about being sober. It's not about being abstinent, you know, although I, I, there's a lot of value and I can tell you why. To me, it's like, look, we're going to help you become the best version of yourself. And, you know, in the context of these healthy relationships, if you have a problem that's keeping you from becoming that, you're going to figure it out. So if it is alcohol or sex, you're going to probably figure it out, but you're going to have 
healthy relationships. And you, you're not even going to want to do those things if you hang out with us because you're going to have things to do. You're going to realize that there's a purpose for your life and you, a lot, you, know, you won't have time to be hungover. And you'll be like, <laughs> you'll, want that, you'll want that better thing so much that you'll be willing to go through the wilderness to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But was- it is, sorry. And nope. it is all about community. Like you said, it's, you hit the nail on the head. Everything is about together. We have to be together. So anything that breaks relationship to me is something that will hold you back. So again, sex without commitment is anti-community. Mm-hmm. It breaks relationships. And I just say to people, if I'm having sex with girl A without commitment, you know, even if it's, even if it's defined, and I say, okay, girl, A, I no longer want to have sex with you. I want to go have sex with girl B now. Girl A is not my friend anymore. I'm an asshole and she's gone. Yeah. So it, it breaks relationships. And the, the key is to have as many healthy friendships as you can. And that's – so it's all about us being together, all about community. Mm. Steven wanted to say something. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I really like – I can relate to uh, a lot about what you talked about. And uh, we can maybe talk about it af- after on – Sure. After we're on air about uh, before coming back to the church and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I was going to say that it, it's one thing I totally do notice with uh, when you said like the normal people or whatever. Yeah. Like I was going to say I, so I'm pretty, you know, I'm 29. And one of the things like I, to, you can, I totally noticed when I moved to like a new community, um, I just totally relate to that. uh almost feeling like judged or mm-hmm. yeah, I see it in the church where I don't want to say this without like making pissing people off or getting offended mm-hmm. by saying like the, uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying there's a lot of good people that I know in church that are like totally not weird and were like grown up homeschooled and all that stuff <laughs> and almost like sheltered. But yeah. I totally relate to, uh, yeah. What, like with the, uh, yeah, like having stuff to do. I think that's it's so big to feeling like part of the community of the church, you know, finding people that can relate to you or joke about, uh, I don't know, uh, joking about like stuff, <laughs> I don't want to say like yeah. from the debaucherous lifestyle, you know, where I can, I, like, I feel like, you know, just like I can relate to a bunch of stuff and we might have, you know, jokes that we can say that maybe other people in the church who didn't go through that experience, right. you can relate on a like such a deeper level and uh, really <laughs> come up. <laughs> yeah, relatability. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it, it, it's totally huge, and it, especially like with the uh, the millennial generation, they're like the most unchurched uh, population. If we, and if we really want to reach them, you know, acting like Puritans, and even if I don't know, even if, uh, you know, I had never experienced anything like that and I can't relate to, you know, (laughs) even having sex before or something like that. And what, you know, someone going from that lifestyle and becoming abstinent when they return to the church, if I can't relate to that, you know, some people totally I've experienced where they're like, they're just like, I can't, I can't handle that you're like you had experienced something before, you know, I I just feel like there's a lot of that judgment and. I think we have to ditch it, um, especially with this millennial generation. If we want them to get saved, uh, they're going to be coming out of partying in college and having tons of promiscuous sex. And, um, yeah, this puritanical lifestyle that happens in a lot of churches is just not uh, 
you know, they form their cliques inside the church with other people that have also been sheltered. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's so weird. It, it's really a, a <laughs> I think it's bad. To find, to find somebody that really, you know, is a fundamentalist that loves Jesus, believes the word of God for what it says, but still isn't weird. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to find. It's yeah. hard to find those people because you'll get the people that do believe everything the Bible says, but then they're like, they're like so cookie cutter in a church box. And they feel like they have to, you know, fit this mold of being something that they've seen before and they can't even be themselves. But, you know, there are some people that are like, you know, can just, you know, have a normal conversation. Some of them can go out and, you know, have a beer and, you know, just be, you know, but they, they love God and they're not, you know, they're not out having sex or then you'll get other people that are, that are, which is even probably and not even probably is worse where they'll be like in the, the cookie cutter box, but then they're like doing, they may be having sex behind closed doors. <laughs> right, I've had right. people, people criticize me for cussing and I'm like, bro, you're living with your girlfriend. Right. <laughs> like, you're like, dude, you're doing it wrong. You're ass backward. You're worried about a cuss word, but then you're having sex outside of marriage. Like one, one isn't even, it doesn't hurt anybody. Like if I say shit, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, you know, some people are going to say, okay, it's obscene, obscenity or whatever. I'm like, I, I believe it's more how you use a word than it is the word itself. So if I was to call you a dum-dum, that's going to be way worse than me saying shit if I stub my toe. <laughs> but you're living with your girlfriend, you know, and if you knock her up and she's not your wife, then guess what? You're going to have a good chance of, you know, a single parent home or a loveless relationship or an abortion or an adoption. You know, there's yeah. really nothing good that's going to come out of that. So you're... That's really, that's real deal stuff, not, you know, trying to look good for everybody else. That's BS. So, yeah, yeah there, but to find that those normal, you know, people that, that you know, really love, love the Lord and, and believe his word yet um, can just, you know, like you said, be relatable to the, the outside public. is It's rare. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's going to be, it's like the... Uh, I like the term attraction rather than promotion. You know, like if if we can act like normal people and show that uh, our lives, you know, have been changed, (laughs) but we can still relate to them. Like that's Mm -hmm. what's going to bring people. Yeah, because if I'm the only, I'm just, I'll say, if I'm the only person in the church, you know, at my young adults youth group or something like that, um, you know, I'm trying to bring friends that aren't saved or, you know, if I act one way with them, outside the walls and, you know, whatever it is, you know, not that I'm totally different, but, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, be less cautious when I, you know, accidentally cuss or something like that. And then right. all of a sudden I bring them into church and I'm, you know, everyone's walking up like, oh, brother Stephen, you know, like how yeah. awesome is that? And, you know, my friends can't relate. It it seems so two-sided, you know, two-faced and uh, not, probably just get yeah, weirded out. Yeah. Well, yeah, Steve, yeah, if Steven I, walks into a church anyways. He's got so many tattoos that they're, they, <laughs> they already. I love it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that's one of the things. I get a lot of stares that, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I, got, I guess I, can I, I get some ne- negative feedback for that too. And I always give him the verse in Revelation where it talks about Jesus having his name written on his thigh. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. <laughs> so, 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 sounds a lot like a tattoo to me. Yeah, right. it does. Hey, uh, so let me jump into your book a little bit, because um, I want to give you a chance to kind of whet some people's appetite for that, and um, and then I got some questions for you related to that. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. Cool. I love it. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about the actual book, Why Waiting Works. 
Yeah. So I wrote it from a more practical standpoint. Obviously, you know, I'm a Christian and that's why I waited. Um, I started the journey not understanding the concept at all. Like I said, I was very promiscuous. Um, you know, to me, sex was like a massage. I, I, I literally remember saying that. I was like, if it feels good, do it. Do it. Why would we wait? Like, if we're making each other feel good. Um, so I didn't really understand the concept. And it was really through what God told me about this girl that I waited. And, and, and then I started to understand it after a while. It took a while for me to really get it. But now I understand it completely. And um, it, it's, very, it's a very practical decision which is why I wrote it from that standpoint, because I feel like a lot of books um, that have been written about, you know, purity, sexual purity and waiting are written from a very spiritual standpoint. And like, you know, that doesn't resonate with people if you're like, hey, it's a sin or, you know, the marriage bed should be sacred. You're breaking a commandment. Now, that might resonate with some people, but I think people really want to know how is this going to play out for real? If I don't wait, like, how is this affecting my life negatively if, if I don't? And I, I and that's what I wanted to do um, through my many mistakes is help people understand this is this is how it plays out. Mm-hmm. So that that's really uh, was my motivation, you know, outside of being like I said, being able to talk about the nonprofit. That was my motivation for writing it. And, um, you know, it's got really good reviews. I get uh, you know messages from people that have read it all the time you know, tell me they reevaluate their life and they, you know, made, are making a lot of different decisions now based off of it, um, based off of the things that they learned through it. Yeah. So what do you, like, what would you tell somebody that comes up to you and says, Hey, I, you know, this might work for you, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, I need to really like, I want to make sure I can go on a test drive to see if we're going to be compatible. Absolutely. That's the, that's the that's the argument that you hear the most. It's like, well, you're not going to buy a car without thinking for a test drive. Right. I'm like, okay, are, are you going to buy milk after someone else's test? <laughs> like, seriously, because if they did, I don't want I don't want any any milk that somebody had their lips on. Right. You know, like, you're literally lowering the value of that milk, right? Because you're basically saying, I want to try it. I want to put it back on the rack if I don't like it. And I'm, you know what I mean. So that it doesn't work if you play it out. So this is what happens. Um, you know, 3% of the population are waiting, right? So 97% aren't waiting. So damn near everybody doesn't wait anymore. Right. And, you know, what happens is you, when you have sex, um, there's a good chance that you're going to get a soul tie, you know, with that person, especially women. Women, the way they're wired is they get emotionally attached after sex. This is biology. There's some, there, If you go to the Why Waiting Works website, there's a great TED Talk on there by a woman named Dawn Masler. And... Women get attached after sex, which is a lot why they get clingy. But but men don't get attached a lot of times until they commit. So you'll, that's why it's a very dangerous proposition for a woman to give out sex before marriage because she's essentially turning control over her, over her emotions and herself over to someone that hasn't been clear about their intentions through action. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they might say, I love you and I want to marry you. But if they haven't married you, you don't really know. They could just be saying that. So <laughs> it's it's very dangerous for a woman to do that. Now, for a man, um, you know, what I like to say, and this is where I get some pushback. So if you break it down all the way on a base level, men want sex, women want security. Yeah. Pe- women, women, people get mad at me when I say that. But I'm like, look, there's a reason that, pro- that prostitution is the world's oldest profession. And we all know that who's selling what to who. You know, women are selling <laughs> sex to men. So women want, women want security, men want sex. So what I help, I try to help men understand is, look, if you have sex early, there's a chance, a very good chance that sooner or later, you're going to get hemmed up with the wrong person. 
Okay. You're going to get a soul tie. Someone's going to come around. Even if you're a complete player, like I was, I was a player. I mean, I didn't lie, but I just wasn't trying to get into any commitment. But what happened was eventually a girl came along and she put up with my shit long enough that she grew on me. And then (laughs) I fell into what I call the sex trap where all of a sudden, you know, I, I didn't want her to date or sleep with anyone else. I still kind of wanted to be free, but I knew I couldn't play the noncommittal game very long. So I, and I knew that, you know, she had put up with my mess long enough that she deserved now to be my girlfriend. So I, I committed to her, but yet we weren't in love. And then guess what? The physical attraction started to fade. Hmm. And then that, that's just how people say the sex stops after you get married because you're having sex before. And then you don't, you're not really deeply connected to the person. So the sex, so the physical attraction goes away, and now you're now you're married to someone that you're that doesn't fulfill you deeply, and now you're not even having sex. Mm-hmm. So what I tell men is if, is if you want sex, the way to do it is to not to delay the gratification, to think with a complete clear head, and then choose. Cho- <laughs> you're right? asking because impossible having- things right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen when you're when you're not having when you're not having sex, you can evaluate the person more clearly. And this is this is what I, what I mean by that. I'm surrounded by a lot of beautiful women now in, in City Fam and just my church. There's a, and they're good Christian girls. And look, I'm telling you, this is not easy. There's there's plenty of nights that I've gone home alone. I've gone home depressed. I've gone home horny. But and I I could and in my you know the heart's deceitful as the Bible says. I could have convinced myself, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe I do love this girl in order to give myself what my flesh wanted at the time, which was some companionship and really sex. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when I look at those girls, as, and I have a lot of beautiful girlfriends, I ask myself the question this, would you sign the contract to have the sex, the marriage contract? Hmm. And I, I have not answered yes yet. But one day I'm going to meet a girl and she's going to blow me away and I'll be able to say, yeah, and I'll be have a big smile on my face and I'll say, I'll sign it and I'll be real happy to sign it. <laughs> and that's how I'll know. Because in the Bible, marriage, sex was marriage. That's, that's what it was. It was. There was no ceremony. Basically, it was like you sleep with her, she's yours. Yeah. Yep. That's the difference now. We just want to sleep with them and still keep our options open to sleep with others just that's in right. case we find somebody that we like better. No, that's not the way it works. And what happens is it, because of the way God wired everything, you're, eventually you get attached. You'll just get attached to the wrong person. And now, now you're that old couple sitting at a diner not talking to each other, which we've all seen. Mm-hmm. You know, because they who knows how that relationship started. Probably very similar to what we're talking about. You have sex, the person grew on you. Next thing you know, you didn't want nobody else to have them, so you committed to them, and then you got married, and now you're like you 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 went through fifty yeah fifty years with the wrong person, yeah. and you have a lot less sex. And you because, stayed you stayed for the kids, or you stayed for the retirement. Hundred you know? percent, it's, it's like to keep her. Yeah, it's like a business transaction. It's like, well, we're doing this enough, we might as well. Like, right. Sign the paper, you know. Absolutely. 50% of people get divorced. Of the 50% that stay married, what percentage of them are happy? Because I don't think it's that high. You know, we know that some of them are staying for the wrong reasons, like you just mentioned. Yeah. You know, so what? Let's say 20, 25% of them, maybe, of the ones that stay married are happy. So that means your chances of, of getting married and being happy, if you do it the way that everybody else does, it is like one in 10. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't want those odds, right? And, I, and you, but you have to be smarter than everybody else, which is the way that God said to do it in the first place. And we yeah. just, we, we just think that He's holding out on us, right? right. That's what that's what's so funny about like 
every time it keeps going back to like just what's always like the simplest thing like just wait until like after you know after you get married after you commit yourself and you know go through all the the things that come with committing yourself to one person it's like that's what god's been saying from the beginning yeah yeah exactly after you get married have it all that's what i tell people do it all the time listen man god's not not against sex he wants you to have more yeah better and better let me tell you just do it soon no it's cool i i i'll just jump it i some for someone who's been married for 23 years uh and i my story uh was i at 17 i became a christian in a very similar way of yours. I wasn't a male stripper by any means. I didn't have the f- physique for that, but <laughs> nobody would have paid me. They would have paid me to go away. Please but, keep uh, your shirt on. Here's yeah, 20 bucks. That's right. But uh, but uh, I, I was definitely promiscuous and, uh, and, and in a situation where I got my girlfriend pregnant, that's what... Brought me into the into the kingdom through this crisis, but uh, saved myself from marriage. I was what what you would call a born again, you know, virgin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was 25 uh, when I walked down the aisle. I turned 26 on my honeymoon, and uh, waited. You know, I waited for that woman. You know that God was going to awesome. bring, and the Lord has honored that in so many ways. But I will tell you this, man: marriage is hard enough. Right. Why would you do something before it even gets to that point that would bring that into the marriage anyways, more, yeah. more challenges, more difficulties, more obstacles, you know, cause it's just hard. I mean, it's just, people yeah. are, people are sinners. They're, <laughs> it's just what we are, you know, and yeah. I, I have an amazing Christian wife who is like a great, a great example, you know, to my, my children and uh, just sacrificial, loving, amazing woman. So mm. I've got, a, I've got the best of both right there, you know, and uh, cause she's beautiful and she loves the Lord. And so there's, yeah. there's a lot of really good, positive things. There, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, one of the things I write about in the book is some study that I read. And, you know, as much sex as we like to think we're having, we only we only have sex 045 percent of, of our lives. Yeah. So that means ninety nine point five five percent of the time you have to live with that person outside. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you better make sure that you like them because you know, I say reverse cowgirl is not gonna be enough to get you through the <laughs> life. You know what yes. I mean? I don't care how I don't care how good they are in bed. That's not gonna be enough to get you through all the rest of the stuff. But I will I do want to say one thing because I feel like it's important for people to understand that if you've been having sex, like if you're in a relationship and you've been having sex, it's not too late to do this. So when I rededicated my life in 2011, I was in a physical relationship with a girl, terrible relationship, great sex, bad relationship. God started convicting me. I felt, you know, that I was doing the wrong thing. It was very clear. He was, he was communicating with me, telling me I I expect more of you. So I said, I, so I, I, you know, First thing that happened was I, I felt fear. I thought, okay, if I don't have sex with her, I'm going to be a man whore again. That will be worse. That was the devil, I believe, trying to convince me to not yeah. obey. So I, but I, I dismissed it. I said, okay, God, I'm going to listen to you. And we had broken up a bunch of times, me and this girl. I said, God, I'm going to listen to you. I said, but we would always get back together, literally like within a week or two. So I said, look, God, I'm going to listen to you. And if, if I'm in love, I want you to convince me. And I'll marry her and we'll do it your way. I said, but if I'm not in love, I want you to convince convince us both of that and break us up because obviously we can't do it ourselves. So I went to her and I said, look, I'm not sure if we're built to last. I said, obviously, we, we've broken up a bunch of times. I'm not sure if we're built to last. I didn't say I don't know if we're in love because that would be hurtful. I just said, look, I don't know if we're built to last. <laughs> the way that I believe we're going to find out is we're going to stop having sex. And if we're really in love, if we become convinced we're in love, let's just get married. 
But if we become convinced we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what? We stopped and the clouds parted and I could think clearly and so could she. And she actually broke up with me three weeks later. And then, boom, within two weeks, she got, actually got pregnant by a neighbor. Whoa. And now she, she lives in Florida with her baby. And you know what? We're great friends. And I'm like, whoo, dodge that bullet. <laughs> but I, I couldn't think. I couldn't think clearly when we were getting physical. It felt like we were in love, kind of. You yeah. know, and I, 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 you know, I was in love with the idea of her, I guess, <laughs> but I was not in love. And when I stopped, man, that forces a very intentional, uh, it's a very intentional conversation. It's like, we're going to shit or get off the pot here, basically. It's yeah. like, look, if, if we're in love, let's get married. But if we're not, let's stop wasting each other's time. It's very simple. And, and man, if so, if anyone is out there listening and they're getting physical, it's very, it's a very simple decision. It takes some courage. I'll be honest. It's going to take, you know, some balls to do it, to have that conversation with your partner, but it 100% works. And you, then you get the next time you get married will be your wedding night. And then again, have all the sex or you break up and you lose it. But at that point, at least, you know, that that person, you know, if they leave you, they weren't in love, they were one foot in and one foot out. And you just saved yourself a bunch of waste of time. How, yeah. how much do you think, uh, like, like, okay. So, I'm thinking about different types of people and relationships. How many how many women do you think that are out there that are just waiting for the man to take the lead in this area of the relationship? Man, I would say there's probably a lot of them, but they're going to be waiting a long time because I you know the thing I even in so the the video that I made the 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage, which is the YouTube video, and then the book, people are like you put a lot of of the responsibility on women, like it's their fault. And I'm like, look, if the government was giving out free money to people in the ghetto and it was messing it up for everybody and these people in the ghetto were taking the money and they weren't, you know, the free money and they weren't actually going out and working and self-actualizing, would you go to the people and say, stop taking the free money? Or would you go to the government and say, stop giving out the free money? You'd go to the government, right? Mm, right? right. Because you, the people aren't going to listen. So the men are never going to, I mean, not to say never, we're too stupid to stop. <laughs> you know, like if a woman is going to give you free sex without even, you know, the promise of a commitment, we're going to take it because we're, this is, we're like animals, you know, this is how men are, mm-hmm. but women, this is a way for them to say, look, you, you want security. You want to find Mr. Right. Hopefully, you know, Prince Charming, whatever. This isn't the way to go about it. Like you have to stop. And then what it will force the men to do is now to self-actualize, you know what I mean? And we'll have to man up. We'll have to choose someone to commit to. And in the process of finding that person is really what brings out the best you because like you know for me this waiting period has made me the best version of myself because i had it wasn't like i had the crutch of sex anymore i couldn't hop from relationship to relationship anymore i had to cultivate great friendships and i volunteered and i wrote a book and then i started a nonprofit, and i had to take all that sexual energy and put it into something you know so it's really made me the best version of myself and and that's what it would do for other men but if if the women are giving it out the men are going to continue to take it and nobody's going to be happy yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I I always challenge my young adult guys that I know to really step up to the plate in this area, and and just be a leader. Like j- just show her that you're worth following. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh and also too, it it puts them on the spot of like it it's a it's hard to say no. Like when it when it that is. temptation's in front of you, it is a very powerful passion. Um. Because I've I've been in your I've been in that situation where I was I remember my wife and I we moved up our wedding date because the temptation was very great, 
And uh, we moved it up like four months because we were just like, hey, we know we love each other. We know God's in this. Let's, mm-hmm. what are we waiting sure. for? You know? hundred percent. Yeah. I'm was, not going to date forever when I meet that person. I'm like, yeah, we're, that, I, I tell people, men aren't going to leave, a man isn't going to leave a woman that he's in love with because she won't have sex with him before their wedding night. What it will do is it will motivate him to marry her faster because he'll want the he'll want the physical. Yeah. And back back to what you said about you know challenging men. I look at guys like Tim Tebow, even even Colton Underwood. You know mm-hmm. the, the bachelor. He was a virgin. I think I think he may not be anymore. I heard. But Justin Bieber waited a year with Haley Baldwin before their marriage. Like those those guys are that that to me is a real man mm-hmm. because a real man isn't someone that can't sin. You know, for for celibate, I like to say there's people out there that are waiting, but it's just because they can't get any. But these guys, <laughs> these guys are like man, men, you know, man's men. They're like leaders. You yeah. know what I mean? Desirable and, and, guys. And, yeah. And they waited. They didn't buy into all the BS. Well, I did. I'll be honest. I did. I bought into all everything the world told me. Hmm. And it's all BS. And, you know, and they they rose up countercultural against what everybody else would think or said. And they led. And those to me are real men. And there's more out there, I'm sure. And you probably have some that in your group. Well, I'm trying and to raise that's one. What, <laughs> I'm trying to raise. Yeah. I got my, my uh, middle child is 15, man. Yeah, I was going to say a couple points. Uh, I, I, was, I just kept thinking of this thing that makes a lot of sense, like in a biological sense, when you think about just the differences between men and women and how we're wired. It, it, like, it, just, it doesn't get more simple than like, a guy, you know, so to maybe if there's any girls listening to this understanding, like a woman has to commit because she, if she gets pregnant, she has to carry the child for nine months. She can't get right. pregnant by somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. and like a guy, he can, and uh, he can impregnate, you know, multiple women right. a day and it doesn't, <laughs> sure. you know what I mean? Like he, it, the yeah. body works that way. He can do that. And that's, you know, just the way that that's why guys can just do that, you know, unattached thing. And, you know, that that's just the flesh. But um, mm-hmm. another thing I was going to say with uh, it, it's really inner. <laughs> you said about the incels, the involuntarily celibate <laughs> guys. Um, yeah. I was going to say it, it's like this, this phenomenon. There's this whole thing. Uh, maybe we can talk about this. They call it like the no fap, you know, like uh, mm, yeah. the no masturbation kind of stuff. Because yep. that's something that is super you know, uh, I was going to say, especially, yeah, especially, but you hear like Christian guys that will rationalize it. Like, well, yeah, I'm not sleeping with a girl, so I'm just going to take care of this, you know, urge or whatever, you know, in a less harmful way or, you know, whatever like that. Um, but at the same time, like you, if you read stories from guys that, you know, give it up, uh, give, you know, give up pornography and give up, uh, masturbating for, you know, periods of time, like it, there's all kinds of crazy studies, like, you know, mm-hmm. how addicting and, you know, the, with the neurofeedback and the neurotransmitters that get released yeah. with the endorphins when you're watching pornography and equating yeah. it. And, you know, it's such an unhealthy uh, view of what sex is, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, those are movies that are mm-hmm. actors that are getting paid to do things that are so unrealistic and it gives right. guys, you know, and you keep needing more and more you know i just keep reading all this stuff about like um i think it's in japan they have like a huge problem with these guys that they're like i can you know why do i want to uh (laughs) basically i guess i'm gonna say this in a crude way all these girls want is like 
you know, they, they're, they're all sluts. Why would I want to commit to one girl if she's just going to go around right. and have all this stuff? I'm making money. I can take care of this urge. I'm going to live by myself and like have, you yeah. know, do whatever I want to do. I'm going to go travel. I don't have to deal with all this stuff that comes with, you know, yeah. this modern feminism of, you know, being proud to be a slut and all this. But I was going to say that the effects of when guys get off porn and, you know, the, the levels of testosterone, you know, increase so much, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're not <laughs> releasing uh, this yeah. stuff. And, you know, that's when guys, you, you're more confident. Like that's when, you know, the confidence yeah. comes back to actually talk to real girls and ask, you know, yeah, be a real man is right. it, there's so much stuff with that. Do you have any, yeah. I'm sure you have tons of stuff to talk about with yeah. porn. If you would, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've looked, uh, I've read a lot about no fat, watched a lot of videos. We actually did a, a challenge back in November called no sex, November challenge where it was, yeah. it was no, no sex, no, no fat, uh, no porn, obviously. Um, so yeah. And there is, again, it's that sexual energy that needs to be. So I, a great book I read, and I actually referenced it in my book, is called Think and Grow Rich. And um, Napoleon Hill talks yeah, yeah. about s sex transmutation, where it's, you know, sexual energy is the most powerful of all human energies. And you can uh, rechannel that into other uh, means, you know, whether hmm. it's building wealth or, you know, inventions or all kinds of being a man said, manly stuff yeah, people, people of notable achievement have done this all throughout history and you can do that but now if you're if obviously even if you're manually releasing then you're not going to be able to do that but i will say that you know porn you know we were talking with a friend about it last night and how it changes your brain you mm -hmm. know it's they say it's the new tobacco you know that mm -hmm. porn is very damaging you get this this flood of dopamine that and then all of a sudden your brain is trying to regulate so you lessen your dopamine receptors which means now it takes more stimulus to get the same amount of joy of enjoyment out yep. of things moving forward so that means you're going to be more depressed mm -hmm. uh, you know you're not you're not going to be as happy about the things that you are doing after that people also social anxiety disorder it's linked to it's linked to all kinds of terrible things so yes 100% the way to do it is to you know completely abstain uh, and I've, I've gone long periods myself that way now and i will say that i've also struggled with all of it you know with masturbation with porn and it's a road that most especially men are um and, and maybe women too are gonna have to travel you know but you know it gets easier over time mm -hmm. and if the yeah. more you're able to do it um, the stronger you get, it's like a muscle. I, one of the things I, I work really well for me is I, I signed a covenant, uh, multiple times with God where I actually commit to, um, not looking lustfully at a woman and not holding in a thought in my mind intentionally. So like, you know, it's not even like I can just imagine something that happened from my past and rub one out, you know, like right. I, you, yeah. you're basically agreeing to that. And you'd start with, you know, maybe one day or three days and you ask God for his help, but you say, and you say, look, God, if I keep the, this commitment to you. I want you to bless me greatly and open doors for me that no man can shut. But if I don't keep it, if I break this covenant with you, I want you to punish me severely and fight against me with a sword. Fight against me with the sword of your mouth was the word. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, which is which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah and right. Then, and and then you sign it and you date it, and then you know what? It's the gas and the brake because it's like I, the. And this is what I tell people: when you abstain. When you put that on the altar, it, God knows how hard that is, and He will start to give you clarity on your purpose. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know what I was here for the way I do now, and it was through not having sex that I that I, that I learned it. And then when you start to see it, it's so good, it's so exciting, 
And it's so beyond your capability that you go, man, I can't do this alone, God. I need your help. So I was willing to sign that covenant because I wanted him to help me do it now. I wanted Mm -hmm. the blessing, but I also then feared the punishment. So it was like the guest in the break. And like I said, there were nights, plenty of nights where I went to bed depressed because I was used to, that was my drug when Mm -hmm. I got depressed, you know, it was jerking off basically. And I was like, okay, so I can't, but I tell you what, every morning that I woke up and I didn't do it and I felt great. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was like, it was like working out, you know, like you, you always feel better after you do it, yep. you know, that's right. So that was just a trick that I used, but it, it, it's a struggle, man. And it's, it, it's not going to be easy for anybody for sure. Um, In our culture too, man, it's just so sexually charged, man, everything. And it's permissible. It's almost like celebrated this whole, right. the whole, you know, the pornography, uh, just the whole industry and it's just really we live in a really sexually charged and it's an epidemic in the church that's not even being in my opinion being Mm. addressed accurately or helpfully you know there's it's like uh we all know it's there we all know that dudes struggle with this but nobody's talking about it nobody's bringing it out into the light and offering Mm. some real genuine you know help to get set find just really to find freedom it's all about finding freedom yeah when you when you can get that um man and like you say, God can really pull you to where your purpose is, which is mm-hmm. when you find fulfillment in this life, which yeah. is like what you said at the very beginning. You're like, God promised me this life abundantly. Where, the, where is that? You know? Yeah. And yeah. he's got to clear away some stuff and get, you know, replace some things. And then you start to experience it, which is incredible. So mm-hmm. I, I got a question for you, man. Like, sure. so say, say the person that's listening to this right now. And uh, they they are jiving with everything we're saying. They're like, yes, this is this is right. This is true. This is this is for me. But they're in a relationship, and their mm-hmm. partner is not willing to wait. What do you say to that person? And how do, how do you think they should handle that situation? Yeah. So I so I I literally just talked to somebody about an hour ago, and and it was a woman uh, that's in a relationship. She's living with a man. They were talking about, they're having sex. They're talking about getting married and they were. And then all of a sudden now the guy's like, you know, he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Hmm. And I'm like, well, of course he doesn't because he's getting the sex. So he's not motivated. Right. So why, you know, why buy you the have, cow when you can get 100%. the milk? Yeah. <laughs> the old ad, the old ad is true. So I was like, you have to force his hand. You ha- you can't just tell him you can't just nag him because that's not going to do anything. You have to for- force him through action, which is this. This is what, where I stand. You know, she was a Christian too, and I was like, "Look, you're living in sin. You know, let's just call it what it is. You're living in sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell tell her tell him you're not happy this way, and and we're going to stop. And if we're re- if you really love me, we're going to get married, and we'll start again on our wedding night. We can have it all. But if we're not, I'm not getting any younger. You know, like for women, like you said." There's a biological clock, mm-hmm. you know, and, and guys will drag their feet, man. They will. They'll waste your time. And it blows my mind when I see a woman, you know, giving her best years to a man that hasn't committed to her, mm-hmm. holding out for this proposal that may or may not come while they're getting older, making it harder for them to find somebody else later, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Right. So, you know, you have to force you have to force him to commit or force her to commit. And in my my opinion of it is is grow a backbone. Like have some pride in yourself. I'm yeah. I'm bold. I'm bold with it. Somebody's gonna try to challenge me or tell me I'm wrong. I'm like, I I'll, I I'm just I'm bold. And I'm like, look, hit the freaking bricks. Because the right person, if they're not already doing it themselves, they should they will be willing to do it for for me. Yeah. Or, and you're like for whoever's it's, listening. It's like you're saying, I'm worth this. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, what am I worth? 
Am I worth someone giving me that preferential treatment? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. I was going to say that that's like the whole thing um, with, I'm sure you can relate to this when you're like living, when, when you keep giving, uh, I'll say as a, a girl or a, a, or a dude, when you're giving like so much of your essence and, you know, and you, if you keep having sex with people, um, they're going to be trained. You're going to train yourself that, Yes. This is all I'm worth because I give them this, they treat me nice. And now if I want them to treat me nice again, I give them this and yeah. just give, you know, like you said, parts of your soul away, you know, to the, you know, I, I read some study. It was talking about that, that, yeah. Um, it actually said that this might be super controversial, but whatever, uh, that when a woman has sex with a man, she carries like at a genetic level pieces of every man. Mm. That she's like, been with? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It was some, it was some mind blowing. And, and I mean, yeah, that's, I've heard that too, actually. And if you look at the studies for because there, there's the studies for the divorce rates are out there, mm-hmm. people that marry with zero to one partners have the yep. lowest divorce rates and the yep. best sex lives. The mm-hmm. people with t- 10 or more partners have the highest divorce rates and the, the, the less, the least fulfilling sex lives. So there is truth to this. You know, to me, sex is a connection mechanism that God gave us. You know, you, 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 you find the right person. You marry them. You then have sex, consummate. You connect. You, the two become one flesh. That connection carries you through the storms of life to preserve the family unit because life is hard. God knew that. Mm-hmm. What happens, though, is we treat sex like it's recreation. You right. get with somebody and then you pull away. Okay, then you do it again. And, and after you do that so many times, you're not you're not as sticky as you used to be. <laughs> so you, you can't have intimacy like you used to have. Mm. And now you get into a commitment a relationship with somebody and you just, you, you don't stay together. You know what I mean? Because you, that's why the, the Bible, in my opinion says anyone that sins sexually sins against their own body. It yeah. says it's all, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but the person that sins sexually sins against their own body. And I believe it's because you're breaking this connection mechanism that God gave us to build intimacy, which is what really gives us fulfillment. You know what I mean? Even more than sex. I was going to say it's even tied to, I don't, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Turner, but like one of the biggest miracles or shows of power from God is the ability to create nothing, something from nothing. Right. That's one of God. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing that only God can do. And in a way that's, you know, part of being image bearers of God is where we have this ability to create something from nothing, a living person. And I mean, there, there's so much power in that, that just, I mean, when you think about it like that, that's a huge yeah. thing yeah. to just be basically flipping the bird to god and being like yeah whatever. totally yeah thanks totally. for it it feels good but you know whatever i'll do whatever yeah whatever i want yeah i, I tell yeah. you i've i've said to many couples in premarital um because i've done t- you know a lot of weddings over the years and uh i say to them you know if th- things aren't right i would rather you get it right now have tears for a night rather than tears for a lifetime you know mm-hmm. let's get it right now and figure it out and if you're not supposed to be together you guys can't make that happen then just mm-hmm. you'll be weeping for a night, man. But you know what? It, it's a lot better than weeping for a lifetime in, of regret of jumping mm-hmm. into this, forcing it because of, you know, insecurities or needs or whatever that have been exasperated because they're not staying pure in the engagement or in the in the dating process, you know? Yeah. So, but man, dude, that's a this is amazing. I, I'm so thankful that number one, you've done all that you've doing you've done and you're doing. But number two, man, I really, really do appreciate your just your transparency, your candor, because this needs to be 
honestly, I mean, dancing around things and but just calling them like they are. I mean, we got to start doing this in our culture today. I was going to say, that's one of the things that is, I think you had said earlier, Rob, like every guy struggles with this. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things that guys don't ever want to talk about, even with like, <laughs> all, right. all right, I was going to say with my best friend, you know, my closest friends that know everything about me, we'll talk about this stuff and struggle. But it's one of those things that like building community, it, it sounds so stupid, but like the no fap community, mm-hmm. like when you go, even <laughs> just like the forums or anything, you'll read guys where they're like, Hey, I'm really struggling. And there's guys that are like, Hey man, you know, even just like having 20 random guys on the internet, you have no idea who they are saying like, Hey dude, yeah. don't do it. Stay in there. Like, you know, right. this it in kind of the reverse way of maybe it just goes to the power of sex. When you talk about this stuff and like mm-hmm. clear all the, yeah, mm. just get, get down to brass tacks and talk about what's really going on. Like yeah. you're, you build that community and relationship with guys that really do care about you and know you in a, whatever in an yeah. in, intimate way. And you can really help each other. And it's weird. Like, not that I'm going to go, you know, tell everybody, you know, everyone at, you know, church, but like, I, I, already, think it's, I already tweeted it out. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like super important and it builds the relationships when, like, you, when you have a group of guys that can, like, walk through this stuff together, like what you're talking about with community. It's so important yeah. to not shy away with guys that you trust again, you know, in a very, you know, so not how everybody. does, how does somebody get connected with City Fam? If they wanted to do that. So yeah. So I'm actually in Houston right now, Houston, Texas. And there was uh, a group that started down here that I came down to kind of help get off the ground. And, um, you know, they, they found us online and, and, uh, you know, I'm really passionate about finding people that are a staying at home every night, bored out of their mind, <laughs> like I was right. Or B going out, making bad decisions, possibly thinking, well, what's the alternative? Cause I think that the bars are full of them to be honest. And yeah, they're just yeah. like, well, what, what else am I going to do? Stay home every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? So drink by myself. We, we, <laughs> yeah. So we want to find them and we want to help them cultivate these communities all everywhere, you know? So really Baltimore is the first, the first chapter where we started. And if, you know, if anybody's in that area or interested in even starting the chapter somewhere else, they can go to city fam. It's a it's spelled city, obviously I T Y F A M is in Mary.com. And there's a, a start a chapter button uh, on there where they can, you know, click that and find out how to go about it. And, you know, we, we have a turnkey process for them to do it. But, um, yeah, that's how they can find us. We will we will definitely put the links to that in the show notes. So we'll have uh, whywaitingworks.com and cityfam.com in the awesome. in the show notes. And also probably a link to your Amazon on Amazon page for to, to buy the book. But, Perfect. Um, Thank you. Man, this has been awesome. I've, I've been looking forward to this, and it's been fun to just – kind of talk about this man and just hear your story i'm still amazed at your your testimony what an it was jesus it is man it was all him i can't even take credit for it because honestly (laughs) i can't i didn't i didn't choose to like i didn't hit bottom and choose to go to church he called me out of out of my mess and then he you know even i cooperated to the best of my ability not to say i was perfect that would that's the only thing i did was cooperate to the best of my ability but you know even even the sex thing was something that he told me and only he could have done this because I was, you know, Paul says I was the chief sinner, you know, and, 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 and he chose, he chose me for that reason. 
to display his, his unlimited patience. Yeah. As an example, for those who believe in him, receive eternal life. I have that verse actually tattooed on me, First Timothy 1, 15 and 16. But that's what it was for me. It wasn't anything that I did. It was, it was if anything, it was because I was so bad. And he wrote the story. And um, so, he, you know, Jesus gets all the credit. And I'm grateful to tell it. And that's about it. Dude, that's awesome. And I'm thankful that he did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, and man, keep going strong. Do not let up, man. This is this Appreciate is it. man. Too many people need to hear this, and and we'll be praying for you, man. I know that anything good like this doesn't come easy. There's lots of opposition. In fact, I wanted to bring up one thing that I mentioned to you before. I found sure. a YouTube video from this woman that was oh. roasting you in your stance, <laughs> and I was just laughing so hard. I'm not even yeah. going to give her the honor of her name. Uh, I was going to say her name, but uh, but it There's just... There's a couple of them. Yeah, I'm sure there are. It seems absurd when you think of it from a worldly standpoint. Oh, why would I wait, you know? But right. man, I just love some of the things that you said in here about just the the just the practical benefits, and then the yeah. statistical evidence of divorce rates that are lower, and and the sexual activity within the confines of a nice protected covenant marriage, mm-hmm. where they're be- the sex is actually better than those right. that didn't wait. And uh, I just love those things because th- that's reality. Yeah, and what I'd like to say to those, I actually challenged that one one of the women to a, de- a live debate, uh, but she, she didn't she didn't she didn't respond because at the end of the day, this is what I like to say to people: I've done what you've done, you haven't done what I've done, right? So to me, you're you're just you know you're you're speculating. So and spare us your opinion because I've done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had I, I lived the way that you did, and now I've lived in a completely different way, and I learned which way is right. So you're just speculating, and, and so to me, it's like, yeah, let's get on the air because I will, I, don't, I will eat you alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they won't even stand a chance. So anyway, well, I'm it, praying. It's fun. I'm praying she'll become your next chapter leader for uh, <laughs> dude. That would how awesome would that be? That'd you be great, uh, dude. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks man. so much, man. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you for yeah. having me. And when when you, we'll get you down to Virginia, man, we'll get a steak and a beer and hang out. Dude, I would love that. All right. Maybe we'll wait Seriously. when the Redskins play the Ravens. How's that? <laughs> dude, that's what's up. If they're on the schedule, book it now. I'll definitely come for that. That'd be awesome, dude. It would be. Hey, Rob, thank you again for being on the podcast. And uh, we will put all of the links to all of his contacts in the the liner, the show notes on the podcast. And uh, it's cityfam.com, whywaitingworks.com. You can YouTube him, Google it. He's all over the place, Rob Kowalski. Hey, thanks again, Rob. We appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. God bless you, man. God bless you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.